And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Made and angering Hear that co-host shouting It's Dainer and Jay all right, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growling, Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you here. The boys are working on the weekend, you know, Saturday, Saturday morning. But is there is it really a weekend when you talk about free agency? No, it never stops. Although it's, it's about to kind of stop a little bit. So we're here. We have survived an insane week here on this beat. Um, and there's a lot more to get to since we brought you the Orlando Brown emergency pod. We were kind of holding out to see what was going to, to the safety thing to finish. It went on and on and on. But finally, we can uh, report on that. So we're going to get to all the news. Orlando Brown signing. He came into town, spoke with, we talked to him yesterday. I've got a ton of stuff on that, including a, True full behind the scenes on the entire Orlando Brown signing that came out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, that's up on the site. You can go read that now. I hope you do. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about that here. Jonah Williams has made a trade request. Nick Scott is now the Bengals safety next to Dax Hill. We'll talk about that. Taylor Rapp was here, but his buddy Nick Scott is signed. Foster Moreau in town. We're going to talk about running back, which has not really been sniffed. We're going to talk about the Joe Mixon case. We had Hamilton County Prosecutor Melissa Powers discussing that um, and the indictments that were that came through and charges made on that this week as well. So we, we just we got a lot of things we want to touch on for you to get you caught up in what's going on before we get into next week and sort of the next level of draft and true third, fourth wave of free agency jay it's just been a busy week it has and it's it's carrying into the weekend um you said it, it's going to die down soon I, I mean we we think but you you never know this this pursuit of a running back could linger for a few more days there's still a lot of them out there um would seem like they're it, they're destined to get one and then draft one um and i mean you said it foster Moreau in town no guarantees he signs but that that's another i i would assume that that is going to be a position they get someone before the draft and uh we, we just don't know how this is going to play out but we're here for you guys whenever it does happen we will be the first to let you know um yeah so there's we'll have plenty of touch obviously that's going to be some two positions that we'll be focusing on as the draft gets closer mm-hmm. um but uh, really it all starts with the big domino uh that came out we had the emergency pot about um on wednesday night and that was Orlando Brown who came to town and 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 now as we've been able to get a closer look at his contract, um, I think it was Brad Spielberger at PFF who references this is one of the most team friendly deals you'll see in the, most so maybe this whole year. Um, it's it's four years and sixty four million, but 
so much of, you know, Orlando Brown's contract is based on the fact that it, it's it sets up where the team, you know, when you talk about like everything being front loaded, you have this thirty one million dollar mm-hmm. signing bonus that they're going to pay out in in full cash, you know, right in the first year with a small base salary. I mean, it's forty two point four million dollars in the first two years, and then. 49 in the first three and then the Bengals kind of have an out where if they wanted to uh in when he turns 30 in that fourth year of that contract his cap number jumps up but the ability to get out of it certainly they would save 14.2 million against the cap if they wanted to dip out at that point with about seven in dead money but that's all part of the signing bonus that they already sunk costs accounted for point being this is really the kind of structure that they want, putting all this money up front and not having a ton of cash in those middle years, um, which would make some sense if you're talking about the cash that could be being paid out to other very prominent quarterbacks and wide receivers in the middle years of the Orlando Brown contract. And then obviously the flexibility that they want um, in case they need to try to exit on the back end of it. Everything about it worked out for both sides, which all that money up front is why you're able to get him at $16 million per year. It makes him the 18th highest paid tackle and 10th highest paid left tackle in the league. I mean, the concept of getting a guy like Orlando Brown, and I'm not saying he's a top five tackle, but to get somebody without giving up anything or having to utilize a top pick at a price that makes him the 18th highest paid tackle in the league and 10th highest paid left tackle um, is just, you know, an, an ideal situation in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, financially for sure. And then the thing that really struck me when we actually got a chance to talk to Orlando yesterday was, you know, this, this franchise is, is taken some stabs at, at tackles uh, the last handful of years. And, Kind of not, I don't want to say been burned, but let's just say the, the motivation meter has not been, uh, at the top where, you know, Cordy Glenn wasn't super motivated. Uh, Lael Collins had the injury, but never practiced on a Wednesday. Um, not saying he dogged it, but it wasn't I, I, the ideal situation you want. Orlando Brown seems like a dude that is super motivated that is going to, he, he's still, even though he just got paid huge, he has something to prove and, uh, kind of wrote about that. Last night, where he he wants to prove that he's better than his dad. His dad was a career right tackle. He wants to prove he is a franchise left tackle. And I just I think that was it should be music to Bengal fans' ears just to hear a guy uh, that motivated and and that committed to to still trying to ascend and get better and and work hard and um, all those things. The the money is a big part of it, but. You know, it, it, it a lot of it comes down to what's inside, what's ticking in these guys' hearts and and what's driving them. And I don't think that's going to be a question at all with Orlando Brown. Yeah, I mean, there's the, – the crazy thing is about how, how this came out of nowhere. I mean, the Bengals' refusal – I mean, this, nothing about what happened the first couple of days of free agency was, was in the plans, was what they wanted, was how they thought this would go including the fact that they'd even be having discussions about Orlando Brown. I mean, it was, you know, Steven Radicevich, who is the point man 
for all things free agency for the Bengals, obviously under Dirk's Duke's purview, but free agency is Steven's show. The amount of people that were praising what he was able to do in a, in in pulling this out of thin air and pivoting a million off a million different things that were going sideways, markets that were up and down and and knowing where to go and not not to panic, right? Zach Taylor kind of talked to me about this a little bit in that story is that the fact that they didn't panic, the fact that they, even though there was a lot of reason to, and there was a lot of disappointment in what happened. I mean, they, they gave, I had identical money with Samaj P Ryan and P Ryan opted for Denver for personal reasons. You know, the, the fact that all of a sudden Hayden Hurst was the one tight end in the tight end market that went off, mm-hmm. which was su- which was really surprising to them. I mean, the whole tight end market stayed stagnant. Gesicki barely got less than far less um, than than Hayden Hurst did in in Carolina. The fact that Von Bell was able to get the deal, all that stuff was surprising. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a call comes from Orlando Brown's people. You guys have an interest in Orlando Brown, <laughs> and and. To the point that they, they hadn't really looked at the tape. I mean, they knew they knew it. I mean, they'd obviously done background and but they they, they never even thought about top tier left tackle. I mean, it was well, we're not gonna be able to go there. I mean, the dude turned down twenty three million dollars last year. He's gonna he, he's gonna be the Chiefs. The, the assumption was he's gonna be the Chiefs tackle. He's gonna be making a ton of money. It's gonna be way out of a range that we could ever get to. So obviously he's great. Everyone knows that. Why why would you bother? Essentially. And all of a sudden it was, yeah, of course you're interested. And really over the course of that day, um, the Bengals did work on him. They, they did a little bit more checking in lots of calls. Uh, Zach Taylor calling, um, uh, Zach Selman, um, who's a Mississippi state AD, um, who he's friends with from Norman, who, who was was at Oklahoma with Orlando Brown, and and really spoke highly. They talked to Orlando Brown a couple of times, all while Zach Taylor had a flat tire and lost his keys at tire discounters. And uh, it was a whole <laughs> see, read the story, read the story. Uh, but there's all it was really chaotic. But at the end of the day, it came down to the fact that Stephen was able to help manage all of this and understand the the money lost by not panicking was money that you could say, okay, well, now there's this money. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this guy found out, if you can find a way to bring him back, make this contract work for him that can work for us and, and what we have, um, this could really be something that you just never thought you would have the opportunity to entertain. And next thing you know, it did work for everybody. And partially because of what you said, Jay, he's motivated. He's motivated by winning He's motivated by playing for a great quarterback. Joe Burrow effect in full effect here. That's a Joe Burrow discount right there. Yeah. That is a that is a Joe Burrow left tackle discount. Who a guy who's blocked for two MVP seasons uh, had a lot of interest and placed a lot of value in being a franchise left tackle for a third, which was the message he said mattered the most. That really convinced him during the process that oh yeah, I'm definitely this is definitely where I want to be. When they said you are our franchise left tackle, and. He, even though it did, it wasn't some big snow job and it did come out of nowhere. And I, I, I don't feel like the, the Bengals were, were disingenuous at the combine. If, if you think about it, this is exactly what they were telling us is they have value on guys. And if it goes over that, they're not going to pay him. Well, he comes in under what 
you would expect his value to be well under well under yes and and so it's like well okay this is this is something that they can do and um like you said they they weren't even the, the assumption was he was going back to Kansas City or he was going to go somewhere else for a well over 20 million a year and and then this comes about and it it fits right in with what their mantra was is this free agency period was going to be all about value and value doesn't mean cheap it means getting whatever it is for less or for what you think that person is. So I, I yeah, I, I just hats off to Steven, to Duke, to that whole group. And, and you kept hearing Frank say that over and over again, commending them for getting this done and um, thought it was interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to put thoughts in Frank's mind, but as this is going on Wednesday night, I wonder how confident he even was. Cause he, he said he went to bed. He woke up to the news the next morning and didn't mm-hmm. need much coffee to, to get going on Thursday after knowing that he, uh, he had Orlando Brown in his room for the next four years. Yeah. Um, I won't ruin the lead to the story, but he wasn't the only one that was asleep <laughs> when this all went down. Uh, and so you get, but that's kind of the point is that at the end, everybody, everybody had the desire. Everybody saw, wow, this is a perfect match. And everybody was willing, you know, to kind of find ways to make it work once they knew. That. I mean, the fact that there aren't a ton, there weren't a ton of left tackle spots out there, wasn't necessarily this huge interest. And there was all this discussion. I think Adam Schefter talked about how a lot in the league viewed him as a right tackle and what it meant to be a, a left tackle here. Um, you know, look, it's, it, it's, it's work, it worked out well. We'll, we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, the, the bottom line is, I mean, if you think Orlando Brown is a, top 15, top 20 overall tackle, top 15, 10 tackle in the league. That's what he's being paid like. And that is hard to find, hard to find. I think most would argue uh, that he's probably at a higher level than that. And certainly when you consider he's only 26 um, projects to, you know, uh, certainly a more solid uh, investment than, than even that. And that, I mean, that number will change more people. There will be extensions. There'll be contracts next year and, and he'll, mm-hmm. it'll even move further down the list. A name that was used in spending it in, in knowing who he was, knowing the character, knowing the type of player was DJ reader was as, as a parallel when they paid DJ reader, it was, this is the kind of people you give money to, right? This is the, the, the type of solid premium position, super solid person, years of tape proven by all of that stuff. If the Bengals get four years of Orlando Brown that they just got out of DJ reader about to finish off with DJ reader. um, Yeah. You'll feel really good about Joe Burrow's health and the direction of that offense. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You do something like this, you, 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 you pivot into something that falls in your lap. Well, if something falls in your lap, you might have had something else in your lap that got crushed by a 345-pound man. <laughs> and that was Jonah Williams' hope of being the left tackle this year. And so what comes out next, Jonah Williams requests a trade. And because, look, there's a couple aspects to this. And I know, here I don't like, I see a lot of responses of, why don't you just be a team player and move over to the right side and whatever. I don't like, this, this man is approaching the most important year of his professional life. He, is a, he has one shot for football to set him up for life. Now, granted, he's about to make $12.6 million this year, and that's setting him up for life. But we're talking about a lot more money than that is what's on the table with whatever his deal will be. The only time he'll have real leverage in this league. you know. And so you know, the deal that Orlando Brown just signed. And so for, for someone like that to see, you're now going to take away the thing I've done my entire life that I'm where the money is that I've been betting on, the whole time and try to move me over to this right side to do this other thing that I've never done where there's less money. Well, that, that, that can, that could, if I go over there and it, I struggle with it and I struggled last year with the, and I played through a dislocated kneecap and all this other stuff. Now all of a sudden it takes everything away. People need left tackles. Why don't you just take your, take me, Trade me somewhere where I can go play left tackle for a year and prove that I can play left tackle. Just give me somewhere where I can go play left tackle for a year and hit free agency. If you're Jonah Williams, that's all you want. And so that's what this is about from his perspective. From a Bengals perspective, uh, there's a famous old line that is circulated. Uh, Guess what? So what? (laughs) So what? (laughs) (laughs) The, The man is under contract. Right. And... He, he there's not a whole lot he can do he is he going to turn down 12.6 million dollars 
is he going to not get his year to free agency? At a certain point, we end in the same situation that you had when Jesse Bates was holding out, not signing the tag in, in some ways. Everybody knows that you've got to come. You're, you can't pass on that money. I mean, and, and, and the Bengals are going to call your bluff. They call, they call these bluffs all the time. They're not going to be shook by any of it. Ask Carson Palmer. So, I mean, that's not going to, you're not going to force their hand with this. The bottom line is it was something that was going to be considered anyway. You, Jay, you wrote about it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you bring in a left tackle and you have a guy like Jonah Williams sitting there, a trade is something that you're going to consider. And the thing is that that, yes, or yes, was it yesterday when it came out, was not only directed at the Bengals. If they wanted to request a trade, they could have just picked up the phone and called them. By putting him out there publicly, they're letting the other 31 teams, hey, let's let's start the conversation, see who's interested. Because um, that is, the, the, the again, the, the Bengals will field calls. And, and if you get that process rolling, I don't, I don't think we would see anything happen before the draft. We talked about this yesterday. This feels like something that would come down in August. Um, either another team gets desperate because of an injury or it, it just you 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 see what Jonah is in camp coming off of the surgery. You see what else you have in these other guys. But I, the, the Bates comp is is a really good one because I think Jonah and Jesse are kind of made up the same way. Like they may not be happy, but if they if they get stuck doing playing here on a on a deal that they 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 wanted something more, they're not gonna they're not gonna upset the apple cart. They're not gonna be a you wouldn't think with Jonah. Jesse wasn't. Jesse came in and basically acted like a captain, even though he didn't wear the C last year. And I think you would get the same from Jonah. He may not be happy, but he's not gonna come in and and be a problem. But again, it's now that everybody knows. I, I I think people did realize once they signed Orlando Brown that if they wanted Jet Jonah, they might have started making calls. But this puts it out there in bold letters that hey, he's on the market. Call the Bengals, see what what maybe you can work out. And it is it's 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 totally understandable. It's not about if he was in the first year of a four year deal, then you say yeah, just go over and and, and play that side. But as you mentioned, this is. This is it for him. I mean, these guys, everybody knows what the NFL is. You don't necessarily get long careers, and he he may only get one shot at this huge payday, and this is it, playing well this year and asking him to play a position he's never played or play on, on that side. I mean, that's that's a tough ask. They, I mean, Brian talked about at the Combine how it's not just a flip. It, it's it's a really hard thing to do to make that switch, and um, I understand where Jonah's coming from completely. Frank Pollock talked a little bit yesterday. I, you know, he certainly thinks Jonah can do it because he, you know he's athletic, he's intelligent, dude. He's a, you know, he's kind of a technician. Where where an, he's you know, talked about having an off season to work on it. Well, he's coming off surgery. I mean, how much is he working on that? How much is he rehabbing, and and everything else? That that's that's part of it too. I mean, I I we you don't know how good he would even be at right tackle for you, like you. If you're the Bengals, you don't even know if you get to August and you're like, man, this ain't the answer. You know, putting Jonah over here has just moved. You still have no donkeys, right? Mm-hmm. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Sure, you're great over there on the left side and you like the continuity, but if Jonah Williams can't make that transition, you got to be thinking other ways. At $12.6 million? I mean, imagine what you can do with that if you feel like you have other options. To me, there's the two inflection points. Jay, you talked about August. 
a team sustains an injury, a really good team, they lose they lose a left tackle, they're freaking out, right? Well, the Bengals can make a call uh, or get a call and trade Jonah Williams uh, a la Billy Price. Now, it's different. Billy Price wasn't in their plans. Billy Price was probably going to be cut. They landed B.J. Hill for Billy Price. Let's not forget that, okay? <laughs> so the Bengals could make a play for a, for a player, right? If they're in August and Trent Williams goes down in San Francisco and they feel stuck, you could trade for a player. Maybe there's one of their defensive linemen. Maybe it's they've got a million great defensive line maybe you get an extra one of those guys maybe you get the next bj hill you you would hope you might be asking for more than that or maybe you don't maybe you're maybe you trade for a future pick but you're clearing that money and that money can go to an extension it could go you know you're stuck with t higgins and you're you're, you're like well well, guess what? Now I just added twelve more million dollars up front in year one to a T. Higgins talk or whatever, or Logan Wilson, whatever that is. Or there's the draft. I mean, look, when the draft is going down, and if you're sitting there and at 28, you get Dewan Jones or any and Darnell whoever that you love that you wanted at 28, and now you feel like right tackle is good between him and Cody Ford and Lel Collins, possibly. Being healthy, coming off the ACL, maybe your bank can start banking on that more. Then you could make a trade and add a mid-round pick or a mid-round pick swap, and that turns into your running back or your tight end, and you get the extra picks that we know that they need and they want, all while clearing twelve point six million dollars. I think those are the two inflection points on this, where it's like a win. It wouldn't be most likely to make sense and to happen. They're not going to try to make moves until they know they have answers. They're not going to be forced to move by a trade request. It's not going to make, it's not going to even register on their radar. Um, but those are the points I think where you could possibly see something happen as we go forward with Jonah Williams. So let's uh, over under if they draft a tackle in the first round at 28, uh, what percentage chance do you think you see Jonah moved later in that draft? Or do they need to see that right tackle on the field and actually know what they? No, have? I think they'd know what they were getting at that point. I mean, I, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of it would depend on how far along they also think Collins is, or if they're even counting on that. You know, they, I think they want to give him every shot, but mm-hmm. would I be stunned if on July twenty seventh I saw injury settlement released? <laughs> no, on Lel Collins, like you could absolutely see that happening, and they got to talk to Jonah. I mean, I just yeah. think they need to sit down and talk. You know, what's going on? I know you're mad. This stuff happens all the time. You just don't always hear about it. It's not always public. Um, Things like trade requests, unhappiness in the off season. What's my role? I'm uncomfortable. You talk through it. And this staff has based itself and part of its tenants. You hear them talk about all the time, but you don't think about is their communication, their relationships with these guys, the importance they place on having those because when shit hits the fan, they want to feel like they can talk to him and have a good open way to work through these problems. I think that's going to be part of what happens next here is they got to talk to him. Frank Paul talked about reaching out. They talked about reaching out to him. They're going to do that. At some point, they just need to sit down, have conversations about where to really go next and try to make everybody 
happy in that. Is that a trade? Maybe. Is that him coming back and feeling better about it? And it maybe going some way like Jesse did last year? Maybe that's what it is. So we'll see. Uh, that's all you can say. We'll see. Right? Marv, Marv knew. Mar- <laughs> Marv knew. Maybe, I, maybe now that Marv's tweeting at people, I should, I should tweet a we'll see to him. It is is literally partly cloudy outside right now, and that's exactly <laughs> what the situation is with Jonah. Um, all right. Let's move to safety. Uh, Nick Scott is here. Nick Scott, uh, Rams, cornerback. A little breakdown on Nick Scott. They get him for three years, $12 million, $4.4 million in the first year. Um, Aaron Wilson with the details on that part. Um, Nick Scott. The, the, what do we, we talk about the safety room uh get get younger and faster and more versatile right well here you go you have two you have speed now dax hill and nick scott made you a lot faster i don't know if they're going to be running the right direction but they're going <laughs> to be doing it fast and so you have two guys they're they're faster they're both very versatile you can do a lot of different things with them to whether you want to drop them in the box whether you want to have either one be back in center field. Whereas, you know, I think you were a little more predictable with Vaughn being more of the box safety and Jesse being more to the center fielder. And that's fine. But the way Lou Anarumo likes to play things, you know, that versatility is important. He brings a lot of thump when coming up in the run game. Pretty sure tackler. Um, the Rams don't have any money. Like they, yeah. they were, they tried to get back in the mix of this thing, but they don't really have any money, but they don't really pay safety. So you were able to get somebody uh, for what you felt like a safety is worth, it's an easy out contract where you can take a couple years on a guy who's, you know, in his mid-20s, just like you said, coming out the rookie contract, mid-tier. You hope Nick Scott is three years ago Von Bell. He doesn't have quite the skins on the wall that Von Bell had, but I think you they feel like you can see it. And this is what, you know, Luana Rumo looked at this position and said, here's Here's the guys I see. Here's what I want and, and work with the personnel staff that way to try to help pull this off. It took a little longer than they probably thought it was going to mm-hmm. got, a, got a little messy at the end, but they got it done. I mean, uh, yes, it's not a direct comp with Von Bell. He's actually a closer comp to, to Clayton Fedulum. If you think he was a seventh round pick, oh, okay, he was nothing but a, he was a special teamer his first three years. That was primarily his, his lone role. And he played a, ton he played 82 percent of the special team snaps as a rookie in 2021 jordan fuller their starting safety gets hurt in the season finale nick scott steps steps in starts every single game of that that playoff run to the to the super bowl championship against the Bengals. he started the super bowl against the Bengals, played really well and he earns he earns the job and then he's a full-time starter last year and now he's getting paid i mean it, it, it he's he is a guy that is ascending and you you think, okay, this is a veteran safety and it's, he is, but he only has that one full year as a starter. Whereas Von Bell was, a, you know, a starter from the moment he came in the league. So it, it will be, it, it's, it's almost like, even though he's a, a veteran there to kind of mentor Dax Hill, they're, they're almost kind of growing together and, and stepping into this, this full-time role together. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. I would, I would think a safety would still be uh, in the plans in the draft as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're still looking to to maybe plop another guy into that room to compete with Tyson Anderson or, you know, my, I think Mike Thomas is going to be there as a veteran presence. But, you know, obviously he's 33 and could be a guy that could go to. But he, he, the one other thing about Nick Scott, uh, you know, we talked to Jordan Rodriguez, who covers the Rams, known him very well over covering in the last few years. This is extreme culture fit. This is all time good solid earn it yourself hardworking locker room dude um teammate type all that stuff that we know came from the values that the rams put in place um he was kind of a perfect example of it and they love that stuff feel like you're getting the most out of somebody somebody who gets the most out of what he's got and clearly his athletic profile he's got a lot it just took a while for him to get onto the field uh, because, you know, he is his he had to work his way up through special teams and wait for opportunity. So I think they view a guy who is, look, I feel like he's made of all the right stuff. He's athletically got what you want. There's going to be some learning curve, but there was going to be some anyway. But, you know, he can play in big games and comes from a winning program. Check, 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 check. We stuff we hear them talk about all the time. And so um, I think that's why Nick Scott made sense. Taylor Rapp. Uh, was also in town, brought into town the next day. I, from the outside, I don't know this, but from the outside, that felt like a leverage play. Be like, well, you know what? Let's have Taylor Rapp come in for a visit if we're going to be having this kind of problem getting this contract done. Um, and that's fine. Rapp got a lot of love on PFF grades, uh, but I think for more of a fit of what Lou wants the safeties to be with, again, the versatility and things like that. And both of them kind of had some of that. Um, and, and, and also, you know, culture fit, all those things, I think they felt like maybe they leaned towards Scott, which is why he came in quickly and originally and was pinpointed as the first person that came in and really their primary target after Von Bell left as far as courting safeties. I mean, they, I think they had other people they had their eyes on, um, but none that seemed to make as much sense easily as Scott. And I do think. I would expect to see him probably dropping into special teams. I mean, you have a guy who was that good on special teams. Darren mm-hmm. would love to have him in that room. Also, Seathan Carter in for a visit. Speaking of special teams <laughs> uh, and the tight end room that is open, uh, Seathan Carter, who we know is one of Darren's a- absolute favorite yes. humans to ever be in his room, always doing the right thing, always in the right place, can be your fourth tight end, but who's basically just a special team standout who got a decent amount of coin from the Dolphins was in for a visit. So uh, possibly reuniting him to get that you know he would step into the role that mitchell wilcox took over but they felt like um Stephen carter certainly brings big time special teams value to them and that's something that they're going to be looking for after a year where let's be honest special teams uh cost them mm-hmm. at times and, and wasn't as good as they wanted it to be uh okay so that's to set up the safety situation M- mentioned tight end foster moreau in town um to, as they look at what happens next at the tight end position, they still, you know, don't really have anybody of note uh, under contract. They didn't tender Mitchell Wilcox. Uh, again, Carter was in town. Drew Sample, I don't know what I don't. It seems like you know a guy that they seem to really like. They may have just have turned the page on a while back because there's just been no sniffs about him. Maybe he returns as a vet men type guy, um, where they just aren't super invested in it, but we haven't really heard much there. Hurst obviously gone. So still on the ground floor there, but Foster Moreau would make sense. 
a guy who's played, a guy who's had some production. When Darren Waller went down in Vegas last year, it was kind of an opportunity for Moreau to step in and and really assert himself at a perfect time in his career. And he eh, didn't quite. And I think, but I still think there's a thought of this is a guy who can do it, a guy who's super solid, and who you'd be very comfortable with as your second tight end or a guy who could be your first tight end in a pinch or for a little while. Has done it plenty. Can be in the right place. Well, that's what they're looking for if they're going to be investing in tight end in this draft, mm-hmm. which we've already known for a while. They're investing in tight end in this draft, period. So Foster Moreau, would he be a guy makes sense? Also, 2018, mm-hmm. Louisiana mm-hmm. State Tigers played with Joe Burrow. So you have the Burrow stamp of approval, I would assume, if he's in town. Uh, now, he wasn't part of the 2019 year, but he was, he was there with Burrow. Burrow, know, Burrow knows him, can vouch. That goes a long way. I have a Foster Moreau story from back in the day. This was, I think it was right around uh, the start of that 2018 season. And I'm dropping my son off at college at OU and we're doing the shopping at Walmart. And in the Athens, Ohio Walmart, there is a Foster Moreau LSU jersey for sale. Wow. And I'm like, what in the world? And I, I texted Kat Terrell. Um, <laughs> and I was like, why would this, I had no idea about the whole, I mean, Burrow wasn't even on my radar at that point and that, that he had just got to LSU. So now Athens, Ohio is LSU central. And it just, it was so odd to see a, a Foster Moreau Jersey in <laughs> Athens, Ohio. And then Foster Moreau too, uh, game winning touchdown catch against the Bengals that game in Oakland, the, the Bengals last trip out there to the, the old dingy Oakland Coliseum. Yeah. Um, so that's where they're at with that part of tight end. It, I mean, if you saw them find a way to f- sign Foster Moreau, we again, this, he's just been in town. We don't we don't have that yet as we were, as we're recording in this moment. Uh, that's still up in the air. Um, but if you were signing a guy like that, draft somebody in the first again. We say every level, first, second, third round level guys you can get that can come in and play for you immediately. High upside. Um, think Cam Taylor Britt. Right. Last year, you knew they were looking for a corner, one that was probably going to have to come in and play pretty quickly that you hoped would be in a battle with Eli Apple. Take that narrative, take that whole conversation last year and move it to tight end. Okay. Um, And so you're saying come in, compete in camp, maybe win the starting job, but at the very least, maybe take it over at some point. If it's a first round pick, you're probably putting him in there immediately. There's a pretty good chance he's going to win that gig. If it's a second or third round pick, like, like Taylor Britt was a second 60 overall could exactly 60 overall. Um, maybe you're talking about somebody who's in a competition at first and works his way in either way. Um, that seems to be the route they're going and makes uh, a ton of sense for, for where they're at. Um, running back. Okay. Still s- sitting out there. Samaj P Ryan again, you know, d- opted to go to Denver. So kind of leaving the Bengals a little high and dry there. And, and, Figuring out where to go next. We've seen a ton of them come off the board. Um, the Bengals really haven't been in the middle at the end, haven't been at the end with really any of them that we know of, uh, that we've heard. So you're, they, there doesn't seem to be this big interest right now. Now, there's still guys out there. Um, chief amongst them, Damian Harris. Uh, from New England, Devin Singletary, at least as we record right now, it's free agency. You never know. Could be happening as we speak. But 
you know, guys that are out there um, that you could certainly see making some sense. Yeah. And there, there are a lot out there, but those are, those are two guys that do make a lot of sense, both third round picks. Um, it, it's interesting that you, you look, I, these aren't super accurate, but they are a guideline and uh, on spot rack, they've, they've got Damian Harris at about five and a half million per year. And they've got Singletary at 7 million a year. Um, they, they both, I mean, I, I don't think Singletary, you're right. I don't think he would be in that, the Bengals crosshairs if that's the 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 market value that he, he is actually going at but um they they both have kind of different paths to, to free agency where singletary if you look at his numbers they are just consistent all four years in the league whereas damian harris um kind of slow start had a huge 2021 15 touchdowns almost a thousand yards and then last year falls victim to the matt patricia offense and um hardly gets any carries and doesn't see as much action so far less wear and tear on him and and he would he would presumably at a cheaper cost um dante foreman from carolina is out there 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 are still quality backs out there and this is what kind of the the whole path that we talked about with the the Bengals in this free agency is a lot of these you look at all the ones that have been signed so far and now the market starts to to crater a little bit and these these guys probably aren't going to get what they were wanting to get so you get a guy on a little cheaper deal a little pissed off chip on the shoulder um ideally a guy that doesn't have a ton of wear and tear coming into this second deal um so i it just because nothing's happened on that front yet uh doesn't mean that that it's not going to have could happen this weekend could happen next week um but it's that's the i think even more so than tight end that's a a position that needs to to be addressed because of P Ryan leaving and because of, I don't know if you want to say it's uncertainty with Mixon. We, we all feel like uh, the, the writings on the wall there that he's not playing this year on that, that price tag that it's either going to be uh, a pay cut or see you later, Joe. Uh, Dante Foreman signed with the bears yesterday. Oh, which, did I miss it, that? It, okay. It's, okay. It's been a crazy week for us. We're yeah. in there with Orlando Brown. We've got all this other stuff going on. It's been an insane week. He, he snuck that in there yesterday on a small deal well, good for him. with the bears. Good for, good for Dante Foreman. Um, but you know, there's, there's names out there. We'll see. I mean, you know, again, I mean, you mentioned those, those costs, those aren't the tag that what they're going to be playing for now. If you're mm. one of these few people still sitting here left and everybody's got musical chairs has happened. They, these are guys without a chair. Yeah. These guys without a chair who and and again, here's the Bengals. You want to play with Joe Burrow <laughs> and reset your market? Here they are, right? This is kind of I think where they thought um they would be. Um, and really what they have been thus far. I mean, all these signings. I mean, Orlando Brown was a wanna play with Joe Burrow <laughs> signing. I mean, that where you you again you get these discounts, and I think when you talk about these running backs that are remaining and see who's even left in a while. And, and I think that they're going to have to, again, running back is going to be a guy that they draft and Joe Mixon is something that they're going to have to see how that falls and where they want to go with that. Um, so let's talk about Joe Mixon. So we have the Hamilton County prosecutor, Melissa Powers had a press conference on Thursday about his, about the case of the shooting that happened on his property uh out in anderson airs road um he it did not commit a crime he is not charged uh his sister 
and his sister's boyfriend, um, who also works with Joe as a, I guess, like a trainer, essentially, training staff type person, um, Lamonte Brewer, were charged. Uh, Lamonte Brewer is the one that um, fired the weapon, the rifle, um, and his sister was out picking up the casings in the yard. Joe Mixon was there. He was seen holding a weapon and taking it back inside of the house um, on the camera, on the security cam footage that they had. But again, legal to have a weapon, legal to hold a weapon. He never fired any shots. He did not commit a crime. So no charges against Joe Mixon for what happened at his house. The, the background on it, again, they were playing dart wars in the yard next door. They weren't, they weren't in their yard. They weren't in Mixon's yard. They were in the neighbor's yard playing this Dart Wars game with this like space age looking Nerf gun, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's nice to say you thought it was a real weapon. Uh, that's fine. But as Melissa Powers pointed out, like, I, I have no explanation how anyone would possibly think that this is a real weapon. It's clearly a Nerf. It's got gr- neon green and it looks looks like it's from the Jetsons or something. And so- Anyway, 11 shots, I, be, I believe. Uh, it was 10 or 11 shots, what they said, what she was saying, uh, fired. And so these charges go down. But again, as far as mixing goes, hey, surrounding yourself with people that don't look great. Um, again, it's your sister, but there's a lot going on here. Okay. Mm. He's claiming death threats since his address was put out on the original issue that happened uh downtown the incident with the road rage filing and that was dismissed um it's, there's a lot going on here where there was paranoia and it ended up with this i guess the bottom line jay is mixon not charged with anything yeah and i mean that's key criminally but there it when you're talking about his future and and everything that goes with, I mean, there's perception. That's a big part of this. And it's now two uh, incidents where not charged, but two incidents involved with him allegedly. Well, one allegedly holding a gun and the other on video holding a gun. It's just, it's not a good look. And um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, as as a a parent who's lived through these Nerf wars, I know how crazy it's. Not just a, a kid running through a yard with an obvious toy. I mean, they they do the stupidest stuff where they are pinning cars in, and and mm-hmm. I can see that if if Joe Mixon's not a parent, so yes, the parents that are have kids that are playing this game are kind of aware of what's going on. Joe Mixon and the people here with he was with in that house probably weren't. You see this. You see cars blocking in other cars and guys getting out and running with, even though they look like toys with weapons. It just, I could see where it would freak you out, but to, to fire 11 shots at a teenager, some of which were when he was hiding behind a tree in his own yard. It's, it's just, it's such a bad look. It's not just a, it's not a self-defense thing. And I, I, you don't know where it's going to lead, but it's, Again, perception is reality a lot of times in these cases. And I, I could see where that would be a, a, a situation where a team or organization would just want to kind of distance themselves. This is going to come down to a football decision. This is not going to be the deciding factor, but it all all that stuff gets taken into account. 
It does. And so again, we'll we'll see what happens next. But we know everything at the combine, and it was made clear. I mean, Joe Mixon is is not going to be playing on that number. They're going to be asking him to take a pay cut. We've seen that uh, uh, from a number of running backs now at this point, um, and some other players where it's been look, you can take a pay cut and play at this number, or hit the market and see what's actually out there for you, which might not be very much. Um, I mean. Ezekiel Elliott's out there trying to figure things out here now too. Um, and, and that's, it's a tough, it's a tough boat to be in right now, a quality deep draft class. Um, a lot of spots already taken up. What are you going to do? Um, so we'll, we'll see how that all unfolds. I, 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 the same way you just don't see them making any kind of move with Mixon until they start talking about a feel for what the replacements would be and feel like they have that secured. All right, so that kind of wraps that up, Jay. It's just a, just a lot to lot to touch on. We have a lot we have a lot to get yeah. to. Uh, so w- now we go forward into kind of these next waves of of dropping into free agency, and then owners meetings right around the corner. Jay, you're headed to Arizona um, the week after next, and uh, we'll be there, and we'll chance to uh, talk with ownership. That's always fun yes. to do. Uh, plenty of topics to touch on there. <laughs> uh, so we'll have plenty to get to uh, all that coming and we'll keep you updated. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be back on Tuesday, back into our normal, try to get back into our normal retreat routine, get Mo back in the mix, all the things that we like to do and, uh, and keep it rolling. So, all right. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.